It's the Tim Cornwall Show with Joe Santorsa. Bringing you news from the front lines of the battle to restore the soul of America. And now, here's your host, Tim Cornwall. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 723 of the Tim Cornwall Show for Sunday, December 3rd, 2023. And I'm joined on the show once again by my co-host, co-producer, and resident Photoshop expert, the one, the only, Joe, at minus three at mstdn.party. How are you, Joe? I'm doing fine, Tim, and it is raining here. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, it's that time of year, you know. <laughs> no, 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 oh. no, but it, no, snow. no snow. But is it raining men? <laughs> uh, no. Oh, Santa, watch out for that plate glass. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. But also joining us this week, Kathy Larkin. How are you, Kathy? Oh, I'm doing okay. I We had rain yesterday a little bit, a little misty. But today we have sun. Yes, and also joining us this week, Adam Hebert. How you doing, Adam? Much better now that I've got an actual computer. Yay! I saw you got with, your laptop. So yes, and with you. the power vested in me, by me, I christened this magnificent machine Luffy. <laughs> All right, Adam, thank you. And also joining us, Sue in Rockville. How are you, Sue? I'm doing okay. Uh, we have been invaded by crows. So when we say a murder, I now know why they're called a murderer of crows, because you want to murder them when they're thumping all over your roof, going after the beech nuts. I remember watching an ep- I forget what episode of Mystery Science Theory 3000 was, but there was a, they showed crows and, the, and they conned. So Mike was counting us. <laughs> it was, it, it's, they literally woke me at 7 a.m. yesterday. The thumping on my roof was so bad. If you smack the window, they fly away. Then they come back. But they're <laughs> going after – there's just beech nut shells. they covering. Forget snow. We're covered by beech nuts. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. Thank you. In all its glory. Thank you, Sue. And you yeah. are Sue in Rockville at mstdn.social. I have not been on uh, Mastodon so much, so – uh, if you could find me at Sue and Rockville on threads, on Spoutable, on Post, and I'm still on the hellscape that I call Twitter at um, 841920, MEMA, M-E-E-M-A-6. Right. I am the MEMA of six. Yes, I am not on the Twitter and <laughs> have not been on the Twitter for actually a year now. As now, I don't know how much long it's going to live either. <laughs> well, that I wish they would. The, the, the problem is that all of the clips from like the Sunday shows and from the news are still being posted there. Mm-hmm. So even if like the Washington Post pulls its advertising, they're still pu- putting there. If you really want the up to minute kind of news, they're still the only place where you're getting that. And that's, yeah. it's frustrating, but I, I'm not going to cede the space. I'm still not ready. I want him to lose it before I give up. Yep. Well, yeah, I, I, I feel you, the same. I will tell you, I get all the breaking news on, on, on threads and Mastodon. Yeah, so. Mastodon's been troubled for me. That's all I can say. So I've kind of said, I, you know, maybe once a week I'll go over there. But threads every day. I yes. do like threads. I see a lot of your posts on threads. So, so yeah, anyway, so, uh, so wasn't it in um, Schitt's Creek where, uh, what was the mother, the mother's name? She was in the movies about the crows. Moira. <laughs> Moira. Moira Rose. Yes, the crowing. <laughs> <laughs> Played by the brilliant Catherine O'Hara. That's right. Amazing. amazing. Who keeps losing Kevin yeah. on commercials. <laughs> I hate to look at my car because, yeah, we do have crows at this time of year. <laughs> 
And uh, I'm wondering what my car looks like. Yeah, there you go. Ooh, it may mean that I have to go to the car wash. <laughs> All right. And Sue, thank you so much for joining us. And Adam, what's happening in Tennessee Way? Oh, nothing much. Uh, getting ready for, uh, well, I survived Black Friday, bearing the lead there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, I, it, this was my fifth Black Friday, no, fourth Black Friday at the Fort Calumet Exchange. Uh, which is, you know, frankly, kind of scary. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I, uh, you know, for those of you who don't, who may not have listened in the first show of November, I had a break in and my computer was stolen, and then I got sick, and then I got sick again. Oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, so it's many. Been people. A, it's been a rough few weeks. So many people I know have gotten COVID. So yeah. Got to be careful out there. Yeah, but, you have to be careful. But I will say this: they have, uh, they made uh, arrests and have charged at least two people in the uh, aggravated burglary. Good. Um, and I intend to, you know, I've already told the police whatever charges can be applied, apply them to the most severe possibly possible. Uh, right, because this is not the first time they broke into your apartment. No, too. and it's the same person. Yep. You know, I just couldn't prove it oh. before. I couldn't prove it before because um, before it looks like they were just popping open windows, removing the screen, getting in and out that way. This time they actually broke a window and I had your canary camera um, catch everything. I'm glad I could send that to you. That was what I had in my condo before I sold it. So I'm glad you were able to use it. That made the huge difference, I think, uh, because they were able to recover the uh, PlayStation 5 that was stolen almost right away. That's great. So. All right. Well, th- thank you, Adam. And you're Adam Kuhn at Mastodon.world. And you're on Threads, I believe, as well? Uh, yes, I believe I'm the uh, uh, the Adam Hebert, H-E-B-E-R-T, uh, on Threads. And uh, you'll be hearing uh, you'll be hearing stuff about AWA soon. I mean, I know I was sharing my coverage, um, but um, I am eventually going to cut all the audio from the voice actors I talk to and make a special. Awesome. And that'll be over um, on Indie Media Weekly? Yep. Uh, I'm not I just Indie need to talk Media to some I'm people. Sorry. And, radio for Humans, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the old name, Indie Media Weekly, came in my head. So. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, Radio for Humans. Humans. All right. Thank you, Adam. And Kathy, what's happening out San Jose Way? Oh, the usual, not too much. You know, it's where I live, I don't hear anything. So unless I go out and... and um, you know, even the news. I, I other than our 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 uh, governor, our governor was <laughs> having a great time this week. Yeah. You know, let's put him out there all the time because he gives Biden a really good name. Wow, he was you just know? wow. Yes. Yeah, he was. Well, wow. Yeah, we got we got some. Clips I knew of he that. would do it. We got some clips of that we'll hopefully get to later on in the show. But uh, Oh, excellent. Thank you, Kathy. And you're Kathy Larkin on, <coughs> at SFBA.social yeah. on the Mastodon as well yeah, as. Yeah, and on all these the other platforms. Threads and Instagram. But mainly Facebook and let's remember to never forget. That's right. I, I know, I'm, spend most of my time on Facebook, really. <laughs> yeah, I know. I spend an awful lot of time on there. It takes a lot of work to manage that that page. Yeah, just, and, well, for me, it's I, I the memes just make me laugh. So Oh, I know. Well, I can't help it. And I, who you know, I spend more time with memes than I do news. <laughs> because these days, you can't find any news. 
you know, on I, I used to be able to find everything on on Facebook. You could pull it up, but they've gotten so that they've changed their algorithms, so they don't even get that stuff anymore. Yeah, huh. you have to really hunt for it, and I I go to other places looking for it, but you know, sometimes that really doesn't make any difference. You can conclude it with a meme. All right. Well, thank you, Kathy. Yeah. And All right. Thanks. Joe, what's happening up Scranton Way? Oh, it's quiet here. Quiet. It's raining. It's raining. And quiet. And glad to say I'm two weeks past my second cataract surgery. So oh. I don't think Yay. I have any more eyes left to do. <laughs> yeah, unless it's that third eye, huh? Well, whatever. But uh, <laughs> That's only if you achieve enlightenment. Uh, well. <laughs> that I'll never do. But I did achieve 2020 vision without glasses for go. the first time in my life. There you wow, go. Wow, that's awesome. So I'm glad for that. Fantastic. And that's, that's the one where they basically kind of suck the cataracts out with some sort of tool. That's an ugly Jump. way of putting it, but yes. I mean, that's the way my, my mom described her. So I don't know if there's different forms well, of cataracts. Well, you don't really surgery. know what's No, they, 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 they slice sed- it, they sed- lay it over. They have a tiny thing. blade, <laughs> suck, sucking blade. <laughs> machine whatever it makes a puncture wound in your cornea and punctures into the capsule where the um cataract is the lens actually and it breaks it up and sucks it out and then they just use the same suture to uh put in a pre-disposed uh lens for in the individual they do a lot of testing prior to uh, a cataract surgery mm-hmm. to see the shape of your eyeball, the shape of your cornea, the condition so of your retina. It's basically a Band-Aid for your eye. No, no it's, it's basically a, a replacement it's, lens. It's, it's a new lens. It's yeah. a lens. It's yeah. a real lens. Yeah. And it, by it golly. huge difference with my folks. Oh, yeah. it's, it's just the color. Yeah. You don't know how much color. Like, I used to look at white. It was like a yellowish brown. And oh. now it's bright. <laughs> yeah. you know? That's what my girlfriend, who's having it done on Thursday, said. She said we were we were visiting in Pittsburgh uh, last weekend. Yes. And she said, she said, you don't understand what I I don't see any. I can't. There's no clarity. And um, I was like, you're just gonna love it when it's done, and you can have the back to colors like this. You'll just be so glad you did it. Oh, it's a it's like. They do them two weeks apart. So when I had the right. first one done, uh, which was my "quote unquote" bad eye, that was um, <laughs> that was done. And the next day, you know, I went. You have to go back, and and they check you out. Everything was okay. But for two weeks, I had to live with now the bad eye being the good eye, and the good eye being the bad eye. And boy, <laughs> you really know what you've been missing when you have one good one and one bad one left. You get one I, good eye. And <laughs> right. I took my original. Well, the the surgeon wasn't isn't my regular doctor, but the, the regular doctor told me he said if you get the left one done, you better do the right one at the same time because I don't know how many people come back to him and say I I can't live like this. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're too lopsided. Um, yeah. Did did you have sensitivity before your surgery? Sensitive. To light, to light. No. Oh, because I, I don't know. My eyes have gotten so sensitive to light. I guess they always have been because I've always worn yeah, sunglasses. Yeah, probably. No, the only sensitivity probably. to light I had was, you know, before you leave the house for the day of the surgery, you have to put uh, drops to dilate your eye. Oh, that's awful. And yeah. then when you get to the parking lot, you have to put another 
dilate drop-in in the parking oh. lot before you go in. And the reason for that is they want that part out of the way when they take you in. Because right. believe they, don't want to they take you in, it's yeah. bang, bang, here's your hat, here's your coat, what's your hurry, yeah. here's a glass of orange juice, see you tomorrow. Yeah, swatch, <laughs> on, swatch on the button, let you go. Oh, there were like one nurse on my left, one nurse on my right, one <laughs> hooking up an EKG, one doing an IV, one taking my blood pressure, one, one putting a hat on me, one putting things on my shoes. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. We're going in. Yeah. And doctor's there. Oh, he goes, okay, uh, I'm going to put this over your eye. Yeah. Okay. And uh, next thing I know, oh, you did great. Okay. Here's some orange juice. See you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like my colonoscopies. <laughs> yeah. It's very similar. Very, right? yeah, very, very similar. similar. They give you a, a drug that's like an amnesia drug. So you don't really remember anything that goes on in the surgery room. Just all right. Uh, just bang, bang. My, my appointment for my second one was at 6.20 in the morning. Mm. I was home. 6.20 in the morning? 6.20 in the morning. I was Why home. didn't you tell me this? What? That there's a 6.20 in the morning. <laughs> oh, there's a 6.20 in the morning because I'm up at 5 every morning. So oh, it didn't matter yeah, me, me too. And that made me, believe it or not, just third in line that day. Yes. There were actually two ahead of me. The first one, the first ones are at uh, 6. Jeez. And and they just pound them right out. I mean, I was... I guess every 10 minutes. 6.20 was my appointment. I was home at 7.30. There you go. Wow. Wait, 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 wait. You're retired and you get up at 5 a.m. every day? Yeah, you wake up. Why? Oh, I, I have dogs. That's why. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, dogs and, tell you. They come to the side of the bed and they stare at me. Yeah, I know. I have a cat that does that, too. You can feel them staring at you as you you have your eyes closed. Well, if they they stare at me at first, and then if I don't think, they start barking at me, and then the other one starts snapping at me, and then that means we want to eat. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's outside, inside, give them food, go back to bed. There you go. Well, That's thank you, it. Thank you, Joe. We're glad you're enjoying your new 2020 vision. (laughs) And tell people where they can check you out. Uh, just on Facebook and on Mastodon and on WordPress, jsantors.wordpress.com. All right. Thank you, Joe. And you can follow me, Tim Corma, on all the all the platforms except the Twitter. And we're on Apple, Google, and Amazon Podcasts, as well as on Networks Radio, 6.30 a.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. Eastern on Mondays, as well as Radio for Humans, Mondays and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern and on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Thank you, Adam, for that. And uh, we uh, have a. Uh, do we still have a Facebook page, Joe? <laughs> no, you know I haven't been post. I haven't been going to Facebook at all. I don't go on social media at all, all right. anymore. Well, we had a Facebook page, but it looks like we're not using it anymore. So. <laughs> well, I could. Yeah, I could that's all right. No, it's all right. I, I don't think anyone's looking at it because I posted on my Facebook and all over the group. So, anyway, the shows. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. anyway, so uh, let's do follow me. Follow me on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Pinterest. Follow me on Twitch. Follow me on MySpace. What the hell is MySpace? Follow me on Musically. Follow me on Reddit. Follow me on the sidewalk. Follow me on the road. Follow me on WhatsApp. Follow me on Daily Motion. Follow, 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 follow. <laughs> all right, let's start with uh, Sue. Who are you well, going with this week? I have a fabulous new social media friend. Her name is The Bell Curve, and that on YouTube you can find her at The Bell, B-E-L-L-E-K-U-R-V-E. 
and on social media, she's at on Twitter, et cetera, at Vote Here, and that's V-O-T-E. And because she's from uh, Louisiana way, it's H-E-A-U-X. Because her bell curve was shut down. But she is a politically informed, aware, and engaged. She has her receipts, and you want change? Vote here. And she did an epic rant that went completely crazy viral, thanks to Leslie Jones at Les Les Dog. And I believe you're going to play some of it. We're going to do it after we do this segment. All right. right. Just a joy joy to meet her. All right. So uh, vote here. And on Twitter. And we'll go to Kathy. Well, I decided on, well, it's still on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call this stupid thing. <laughs> uh, I, it is at Resistor Sis 20. Uh, Southern Sister Resistor Wordsmith. Uh, uh, hashtag I am the storm. And, you know, she's, he, she, I, I'm, I guess it's just she. Uh, has some good posts. I I enjoyed looking at them, but I don't have any one in particular. All right. So yeah, you can give her a follow. All right, resistance is twenty. All these things will be in the show notes. I, maybe she's on other places. I don't is. know. And Adam, resistor sisters. Yeah, resistor sister. No, resistor or, or southern sister resistor. Oh, oh. Because there was uh, somebody on our old show, uh, turn up the night. Yes, resistor uh, sisters. Who went by that? Yeah. They had a show, the Resistor Sisters. So maybe it was uh, Susan and Rain, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now oh. this is Resistor Sis twenty on Twitter. So, but a lot of Resistor Sisters out there. So, yeah. all right. So we'll go to uh, Adam. Who are you going with this week? My, I went with a tried and true uh, guy. Uh, he's always funny, always witty, and that's of course the great Frank Conniff of push the button Frank fame from Mystery science theater <laughs> yes. 3000, uh, yeah. who had, uh, who, you know, again, he always has something funny. Uh, and this one caught my eye. George Santos distraught over the death of Sandra day. O'Connor is not talking to the press right now. Quote, we were fuck buddies. He said tearfully before driving away from the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If kind of fun threads, I hope all these things will be in the show notes. And I can't j- wait to get to talking about Santos. If oh, that is his real is. name. And Joe. Well, in that vein, my, uh, I guess, social media, because I can find them on Wikipedia, so mm-hmm. I, that's where I got them. But uh, from Saturday Night Live last night, the cold open with uh, Bowen Yang. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Was <laughs> probably, it's a classic. Oh, my God. I'm it to look is at a classic. He, pl- he played <laughs> our, our friend uh, uh, Yavash, you know. Katara <laughs> yeah. Ravash. <laughs> yeah, yeah Kari Ravash. Yeah, doing the press conference outside of the Capitol after he was expelled, and then sits down at the piano and sings Goodbye, uh, New York Queen. Oh my God. <laughs> to the tune of Goodbye. Uh, Yellow Brick you know, Road. Not, no, no, Goodbye. Uh, Yellow Brick Norma Road. Jean, Norma Jean. Oh, Goodbye, Norma Jean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but. The lyrics were hilarious. He was great. He, it was just, you have to see it. It's, it's a classic cold open. I'll have to, was, oh, that was the opener? Yes. I'll, have to, oh, I'll yeah. have to check that now, out tonight. I saw part of it. I didn't see the whole thing, but I, I saw part of it because I was watching Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You saw the cold open? Wait, which one, Kathy? Uh, the new one. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> I, wanted I loved the, it. 
I wanted that movie to be good, but well, I mean, there were elements. It is good. There were it's elements good that were me. good. There were elements that were good, but I also think they kind of missed some opportunities for character development with Indiana Jones and and um, what was Wallaby's name? Well, no, Wombat. All right, so uh, Bowen Wang and Joe, Bowen I have Wang. to watch that. I haven't watched Saturday Night Live at all this season because I just got so sick of their Biden is old <laughs> jokes. But uh, mm-hmm. I will definitely check that out. All right, and I'm going with Rude Pundit on Threads this week. Yeah. And he says, uh, hey, Algorithm, I do politics from the rude and liberal perspective. <laughs> and I'll put a link again, like a say, in, to his uh, Threads <laughs> account. Um, but he posted, um, reposted from Biden-Harris HQ, Governor Newsom, your state had one of the worst shootings in American history, 17, I'm sorry, no, Governor Newsom said to, to uh, Ron DeSantis, your state had one of the worst Shootings in American history. 17 kids were gunned down. Parents pleaded with you, and then you made it easier for felons to get guns without background checks. <laughs> and uh, Rude Pundit says, and one more Floridian was murdered tonight, but not by a gun. <laughs> so all our social media links, our social media uh, friends will be in the show notes. And now, Sue, um, I'm going to play this video that uh, Vote Here did. That you yep. sent me so let's hear what she had to say okay baby so i feel like you're the one who's leaving diatribes over there on my instagram post about this and now you're over here in my comments so let me just say this my husband and i talk about this a lot and we frame it around uh home makeover shows right like you know those home makeover shows where they give the owner of the house a sledgehammer and let them go to town on a wall knocking it down breaking it down burning it down whatever right it's because demolition does not take any skill Right. Unless you are trying to preserve something, unless you're trying to preserve the foundation of the house or you're trying to preserve like the support beams of the house that keep the roof from falling in on your fucking head. Other than that, they give the owner a sledgehammer and say, go crazy because demolition takes no skill. And because the homeowner has already trusted that the developer and the builder is not going to allow them to break down anything that is important or super important to the structural foundation of the house so all of y'all out there who are hollering about vote third party or don't vote for the democrats or don't vote for joe biden or whatever y'all are the homeowners with the sledgehammer just wanting to swing away and tear down everything Mm -hmm. but some of us out here know how to read fucking blueprints and we are trying to tell you that Baby, if you want to burn it all down, you're going to burn down your support beams. You're going to burn down the structural foundation of the house and you're going to be left in the fucking rubble. Then what? Now, listen, I understand you have big feelings about this and I get it. But you have to also think and strategize and be smart and look at the fucking blueprint and realize that if you burn it all down, you're going to have nowhere to fucking live. The GOP, they got emergency tents out back, baby. You don't have any of that. So while y'all are hollering about burning it all down, what do you have in the interim for when it when it's all burnt down and there's smoke and ashes? What do you have for the people to survive on? What are you going to do when the GOP holds all the legislative power and cards in their hand and they make anything they want illegal by and then going to throw your ass in prison for any fucking thing? What are you going to do then? And I'm going to tell you right now straight up. I don't want to fucking die for this country. I don't want to go through no more motherfucking pain or turmoil for this fucktastic-ass country. My ancestors built this shit for free! I do not want to suffer at anybody's hands anymore for the sake of revamping this fucking country. But what I will do is choose strategically to vote for people to inch closer and closer and closer and closer to the fucking progress that we deserve. 
I am willing to work my ass off without bloodshed. I am willing to work my ass off without putting people through unnecessary pain and strife. Y'all with this, well, just do this and that, the other. Y'all don't even know how to read the fucking blueprint. Because if you did, you would understand that third parties aren't even on the fucking ballot in every state in this country. Therefore, in there too, they can't even win. They cannot win. It's not feelings. It's fucking math. Y'all haven't even done the minimal fucking education and research to figure out how to improve and take over the system we have. So how the hell am I supposed to trust that you're going to be able to burn something down and build something back up before the majority of us out here suffer? And we are suffering now. Yes, I 100% understand that. But bitch, you ain't ready for the shit that we're going to have to go through when the GOP has everything under control and turns this bitch into an authoritarian fucking state. You're not ready for that kind of suffering. And baby, if you're ready to die to stop somebody else's genocide, if you're willing to set yourself on fire to keep somebody else warm, then sign your ass up for the military and take your ass over there and fight, okay? Amen. <laughs> Y'all think shit going to be you sweet go. and you just going to be able to fix it in, you know, in 2028 or whatever. Bitch, if these motherfuckers take over in 2024, it's game fucking over. And I know y'all keep saying y'all said that in 2016, y'all said that in 2020, because the fucking reality is still this fucking close. Because motherfuckers will not vote in the goddamn midterms. If y'all would show up in 2018 and in 2022, we wouldn't be having these fucking discussions every four years. Because y'all only pay attention every four years, we have to say the same things every four years but if you would show up every two fucking years maybe just maybe we will be closer to the fucking progress you actually want maybe just maybe if y'all was talking about third parties in 2018 and in 2020 and in 2022 then maybe just maybe they would have a foothold somewhere to actually be a fucking option in 2028 but as it fucking stands y'all have not done the fucking work on the ground to get any third party candidate whether it be state or federally to get on any fucking ballots and again there are rules to this shit those of us who know how to read the blueprint we know the fuck rules we know where the foundation beams are we know where the water mains are we know where your electric uh, electrical systems are and you fucking don't you just want to burn shit down and replace it with nothing and i'm not here for that bullshit you know what that's called you know what destroying shit without doing the proper calculus is called terrorism terrorism that's what y'all are doing you're becoming just like hamas hamas did not calculate that this was going to be israel's response to them and you see what the fuck is going on now y'all really fucking believe that the united states which was built upon slavery and slavery is still legal in our fucking constitution you think that they will not put your ass back into slavery to save the country bitch you better wake the fuck up the game of politics Y'all just want to throw your hands up and either burn shit down or not participate. I will never understand for the life of me how y'all want something so bad, but don't want to figure out how to get it the right fucking way. Yes, I do understand, actually. A lot of y'all attend Dunning-Kruger University every fucking day, and that's why. You think you know, but you don't fucking know. And guess what? I attended Dunning-Kruger University for a semester or two my goddamn self. I 100% admit it. But you know what? I transferred out of that bitch because I realized it's unaccredited and it doesn't fucking teach you what the fuck you need to know to get shit done.
done. In summation, if you have an actionable plan to get whatever the fuck you want done, done, I'd love to see it. Please show me. Show me how in the next 12 fucking months you are going to introduce a new person as a candidate for president, get them on the DNC primary ballot, get the delegates and the superdelegates to get support behind them, then get them on the national general ballot, then get them elected by at least 60% of this country. If you have a plan for that, please, I'd like to see it. And I'm being sincere. I'm not being, I'm not bullshitting. If you have a fucking plan, I would like to see it. Also, if you have a plan on what you're going to do when everybody burns it all down to keep everybody fed and clothed and housed and educated and all that shit, because the GOP will take all of those things away from you. If you have an actionable plan for what you're going to do to keep people safe during the interim, after you burn it down between time before you build it back up, I'd like to see that shit too. Show me. Or shut the fuck up. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. I, I can't say she's wrong. I, I can't. And I will say this. You know, uh, we hear, you know, I've heard talk about a cold civil war, you know, yeah. I can tell you this, if Schittler wins next year, the cold civil war will become hot. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a promise. Yep. I'm telling that, you. That's guaranteed. I mean, she was, she hit the nail on the head there. That's absolutely oh, yeah. right. And I think that's why, you know, so she went viral and you said <laughs> Stephanie Miller even had her on her show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, after I- that. I have a simple question I ask all these people who say they're going to support them. What has that candidate done in the past four years to earn your vote? You That's know what? right. You know okay. what they need to because do? Robert Kennedy clearly saw he couldn't uh, win the de- get in, so uh, a Democratic nomination, so he opted out for the independents. So Cornell West, Jill Stein, Robert Kennedy Jr., what have you done? What bills have you passed? What changes have you brought to this country? You have had four years to know the answer that you deserve a vote. What have you done? Because you've done that. Marianne Williams. What's her name? Williams. You know, yeah, Williams doing is grifting. You're just raising money for yourselves. You're just narcissists. No different than Trump, who are who are have an overinflated sense of self. But what have you done? That's right. Nothing. I keep asking. Um, you know, they call him. They don't call him James Comer anymore. They call him Comer Simpson. <laughs> right. <laughs> I call him James. I beat my college girlfriend Comer. Oh my God. So you know what you're gonna you're gonna bring forth an impeachment inquiry on what charge? Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know what. Right, exactly. They don't have anything, and then this is why this is why they're freaking out that Hunter Biden, you know, saw their saw their bullshit and raised them. <laughs> yeah, by and saying I will say, appear I knew in public. Abby Lowell. I was friends with Abby years ago. Abby's wife and I played matchmaker. Her friend and my friend, we fixed them up, and they got married, and we were at the wedding, and we were cheered, and we we I spent time with Abby. And in a, in a town full of lawyers, he may just be the smartest one. Mm-hmm. Good. So anyone who doesn't understand, <clears throat> you know, that Hunter Biden is in great hands is going to keep finding out. That yeah. Well, I mean, this right. is it. Basically, you know, the, he, he boxed him in because, yeah. you know, I mean, even if they try to, you know, refer him to DOJ, 
you know, for not agreeing to come in for a private deposition, but agreeing to, you know, saying, I will come to a public hearing. He has fulfilled the subpoena. And the fact that they chose not to not to do it that way, that that's I mean, I would think that's that's he's met he's met his obligation. Well, and as well, soon as Jim Jordan comes in for his and Scott Perry comes in for his and Matt Gates comes in for his, mm-hmm. uh, then we can talk about subpoenas. And, and, and then shut the oh, fuck sorry. up. Sorry, Susan. Yes. Uh, no, I was just saying sorry. I, I didn't mean to talk over you. I was oh, going to say no, please you're don't. That the Republicans don't realize that when they when they basically told the January sixth committee to go fuck themselves, they set precedent. So when, Jim, <laughs> when Jungle Jim Jordan ignored that legal subpoena, guess what? Hunter Biden now has every legal right to say fuck off. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm not reason- coming in either unless you let me do it in front of the the general right. public. And and the reason why they want to be private is so they can control the narrative, so they can make okay. selective leaks mm-hmm. to yeah. Fox News and Newsmax and One American Net- News Network and all that. They want to control the narrative. Of course. So when he said th- – remember, the original, uh, the original request was public or private. That was James Comer's original request. Um, and then, uh, then he says, sure, I'll do public. You ain't can't do that. You're going to do private because I said so. Fuck you, Comer. Fuck you and your wife and your girlfriend beating ways. Mm -hmm. Listen, but they had no trouble showing Hunter's dick. Right. That's allowed to be public, but his voice, uh uh-uh. No. So again, the hypocrisy- well, let me tell you, the, the bigger dick when that was done wasn't wasn't the picture; it was the person holding the picture. Uh, always. Well, <laughs> you know, Marjorie Taylor Marjorie Taylor Green is always the biggest dick in the room. Well, and and her book sales. What she what? How many books has she sold? Four hundred and thirty or something. Oh, wait. Yeah, can I? <laughs> That's can what I happens when your book is written in, in crayon on butcher paper. I, I saw. insulting children who use crayons. I know. Um, I saw. I saw. Uh, I'm sorry, Sue. I'm sorry. Hold on. As hold on. The official book. Seller Wait, Sue, of the Sue. Jim Coromel podcast, Sue. Ren Books, B-R-E-N-Books.com, current 20% holiday sale to all comers. Um, <laughs> let me explain. <laughs> when right-wingers and Republicans write books, the RNC and other right-wing places invest money and buy them in huge lots right. to drive up the, their, them on the bestseller list. They then deeply discount, if not give away, as freebies. Make a donation to the RNC, and we'll send you a signed copy or a copy of Marjorie Taylor Greene's book. Well, the RNC refused to pony up the 500 grand this time. Right. And there was no one promoting it. But in the past, even with, like, any of the other assholes, uh, they they will pump up the book uh, so so – Junior, cocaine head, you know, the snort, snorting McSnortinson. He'll His book goes to the bestseller list, but no one's reading it. And so then a month later, those books all go into remainder bins. Then they sit there and they go nowhere. They're deep. They're 80% off in a store. Those remainder bins then get emptied after another month or two. All of those books are piled onto these huge pallets and shipped to recycling centers and they get pulped. Yep, and exactly. I've been doing this for 20 years, so trust me, because when I go to bookstores and when I go to use book sales, you can buy signed copies 
of Sarah Palin and Newt Gingrich for a dollar. They just languish on the used bookshelves until they clear them who off would, and them off. Who would buy and they're those? not worth the dollar. Yeah, they're not worth the dollar. And no one's buying them because they don't read. Right. Well, I two things I saw this week that made me laugh about this was, one, is she her book sales were so bad that she called up Jimmy Kimmel and asked if he'd have her on the show to promote the book. And he, it, the way it was described, not so politely declined. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the second thing is I saw people people posting coming soon to a Dollar Tree near you and I just replied and said uh, I said do not pass Dollar Tree go directly to pulp <laughs> yeah really it, people don't understand how the book business works or how this stuff works you know it, it comes out of regnery publishing it's bullshit and crap and unless they invest the money in it to drive up those sales it's all of the books Hers is just the most blatant, the last and most blatant example. Yes. Yeah, unlike uh, Rachel Maddow's latest book. Yes. <laughs> Ooh. And I'm looking forward to her She's having Liz Cheney. National on. bestseller. I'm looking forward to her having Liz Cheney on Monday night, too. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to that, too. Yeah. So, and our then Tuesday, we're going to have will, one. So, the question is will anyone be honest about who, who Liz Cheney is? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you know, the enemy know of my is. enemy. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, but never, ever trust them. She and Kinzinger were the only two Republicans in the entire Congress who put party, who put country before party. But she still voted with Trump 91 percent of the time. That's right. A hard right, you know, conservative GOP or she has not left the party. She is a she is Dick Cheney's daughter. And one should never forget that. And so she's still anti-choice. She's still she is no different than they are. The only thing is that she did one right thing at a very important time. Right. She stood up for for democracy. That's it. Right. And it's it's again the old story of the scorpion and the frog. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why did you why did you sting me? Because it's in my nature. Mm -hmm. She is exactly who she is. And that today I've been putting up her voting record lest anyone get too in love with her, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, she, but at least she did come out and say that if Trump's a nominee, she's not voting for him. So. But never yeah. Trumpers are still Republicans. Never yeah. Trump. Look at Steve Schmidt. Okay. Here's this guy. Here's this jerk, right? He, he works for McCain and then he, he's a never Trumper and he goes out of his way to bash Republicans, supports Biden's, you know, all of that. And what's he doing now? He's managing Dean Phillips' campaign. Yeah. Well, here's here's I think here's going to be the bellwether is the, the New Hampshire primary, right? Because the DNC decided that the the first state primary has to be South Carolina because New Hampshire is not a rep- a fair representation of the of the the demographics of the country, and so, but New Hampshire has a law that they have to be the first. In, in the country, the first primary. So as a result, the DNC prohibited any any Democrats from running on the ballot in New Hampshire. <clears throat> so Biden oh. is not going to be, so they're going to have their, their, the New Hampshire primary in, in Jan, like January 14th or something, but Biden will not be on the ballot. That's so stupid. So the, <laughs> Thank you. So the question is, is are people going to vote right in Joe Biden, or are they going to vote for Dean Phillips or somebody else? So if if the vast majority of people write in Joe Biden, 
and he wins that state's nomination, I think that's going to tell us how things are heading. So I think we're just going to have to wait and watch. But anyway, we got a lot to get to this week, uh, today. So uh, anyway, Morning Joe was talking about these stupid polls. I remember Mike Barnacle as we got down the home stretch of the polls, and I remember seeing a poll that showed Joe Biden ahead by 13 points uh, in Wisconsin. And I just tweeted out at that moment, I don't believe any of the polls. That's right. And sure enough, they really were. These, a lot of these state polls, especially in the upper Midwest, way off. Um, and then you have this insanity. And this gets to the point of Molly's piece. On election night, several weeks ago, we had real American voters going to real voting booths. And we were gonna have all the real data from a real election for networks to go over. And another network, whom we won't name, decided that on that night, they were going to drop a poll at 7 p.m. when when the voting booths closed and they could have actually reported on real numbers. And what did the poll show? Joe Biden, it's terrible. It's the end of the world. By the way, all of these polls that are Uh like, you you read the headline, it goes, the worst news ever for Joe Biden. And I'm thinking, oh my God. He was riding his bike in Delaware and a comet dropped on him, crushing him to death. And then I open up the link and I look at it and they show me three polls where the president of the United States is within the margin of error of a crazy, dangerous man who has, has, isn't even really in the front of people's minds right now. And Mike, I just sit there and think, wait a second, this network had real human beings to talk about, but instead of dealing with voters, they wanted to talk about a poll that would push their narrative about how bad Joe Biden was doing, when in fact, voters from Virginia to Ohio to Kentucky overwhelmingly affirmed just how well the Democrats were doing swimming against the tide. There you go, right? Because, like I said, Joe... You repeat it with me. What's my mantra? Polls All polls are... are bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. Mm-hmm. There has never been a poll that gives you the truth. Even exit polls can be, maybe are more reliable because people have nothing left to lose, so they'll tell you the truth, but a lot of them won't even do that. Mm-hmm. There's no polls. You just get out and vote. You just shut up. They all yeah. have agendas. They all, and Jay Rosen, God love him, if you're not following Jay Rosen from NYU, he's a journalism professor, he wrote a post a couple weeks ago that went completely viral and is actually getting picked up by national media sources, finally. And he said, you have to stop talking about this election as a horse race. It is not the odds, but the stakes The stakes in 2024 is democracy versus fascism. Stop pretending it's a horse race. Yep, we're going to get to that. not the odds, but the stakes. We're going to get to that, Joe, uh, because that's exactly what Lawrence O'Donnell said this week. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. But he quotes, I don't know if he cited, you know what, when you say, I'm sorry, because I think 
I'm not sure if he even used his name or not, but I do think he did reference it because, again, today, Catherine Rampell, who's a, what, an ABC news reporter, she mentioned it. And it's we're, we're, those of us who've been tweeting it out for the past two weeks, and of course, meeting me, we, Tommy and I memed it. This is our thing. If you're not talking about the stakes of the next election, then you are not serving the American people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, this goes back to the story that I mentioned a few weeks ago. Keith Keith Oberman talked about when when he was gonna when he was being hired to do Countdown with Keith Oberman on on MSNBC twenty or so whatever years ago whatever it was uh, twenty five maybe. But he was he the originally they were gonna hire Sam Donaldson. It was gonna be Countdown with mm. Sam Donaldson, yes. and and apparently. Uh, basically people came to him and said, if you put Sam Donaldson on the show, nobody's going to watch it, <laughs> you know? Mm. And so, and so he did, they, they talked him out. They talked, I guess, whoever was president of MSNBC, MSNBC at the time, um, they talked him out of it. And basically what he did was he called up, um, what's his name? The pollster, Frank Luntz and mm-hmm. said, I need a, I need a, I need a focus group on my desk in two days that says if we put Sam Donaldson on, nobody will watch it. And if we put Keith Oberman on, everybody will watch it. And in two days, he got a, a focus group report of exactly that. Mm-hmm. And so, and here's the other thing that irritates me about these polls is one, they'll they'll get on here and talk about oh how Biden's doing so terrible in the polls, how Trump's points you know so many points ahead here and there. They never admit who paid for the poll. That's right. And and nine times out of ten, it's the Trump campaign that's paying for the polls. Well, you know what? I can hire a pollster to tell me anything, just like Frank Luntz did for, for MSNBC 25 years ago. You well, know you I mean? know, you know, the last poll, which was just yesterday, pointed out that I'm the greatest grandmother in the entire world. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to say for the record, the fact that it was a pool of six people and all of them are my grandchildren has no merit. We don't need to discuss that. I, the poll shows I am officially the greatest grandma in the history of the world. There you go. So aren't you lucky to have me here today? There you go, right? Okay. <laughs> anyway, so moving along here. So, uh, um, um, Tim, Tim, I'm going to interrupt you for just one second, and please bear with me. I know that the focus of today's show is really local, our, our national politics, and so much happened this week. But if you will grant me two minutes to talk about what's happening over in Israel with Hamas, um, people need to know what's really what's what's been going on uh, now that the that now that the um, they have stopped releasing hostages. So if you would for give me two minutes, I would be very appreciative. Is that all right? Yep. Make it quick. I, I promise to make it quick. On October seventh, using their GoPros, Hamas gleefully murdered 1,400 people, raped, brutalized many women. And for almost two months, the UN women's group and women's rights groups across the world have been silent, silent in the face of devastating brutality against women in that area. And finally, yesterday, the UN Council of Women, or on Friday, issued a strong denunciation, blah, 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 and to which we all said, fuck you. It took you two months. So rape is bad unless it's Israel Jewish women. 
brutalizing women, murdering women, no problem. And then that fucking cunt, Jamila Jayapal, and the other one, Rashida Talab, and I can only hope their own voters vote them out, among others. This morning, Jayapal says, oh, sexual violence should be condemned, but we have to be balanced. You twat, you cunt, balanced how? What? How? That's insane. Okay, this is inexcusable. The silence against the brutality of women, we see it here in this country all the time. We see the kind of discrimination. We see, Rape is rape. And they gleefully filmed it themselves as they <laughs> murdered awful. these women and then tortured them and then raped them. Terrible. So how for people to take the side, and every statistic that comes out of Hamas is coming from a propaganda outfit. People have got to understand, this is complicated. I am not saying everything Israel does is good. Bibi is a nightmare. And- Oh, he's awful. In terms of the same kind of bias, let us just point out the fact that Liza Mundy just wrote a book pointing out how it was the women of the CIA who told the Republicans in Bush and the administration that bin Laden was determined to attack and was ignored. And now we find out the women of the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, also warned of Bibi and his men a year ago that Hamas was planning this. It is time for women to stop being ignored and it's time for women to stop defending rape, torture. We need to be listened to, whether it's through our, our jobs, and especially when we're in vital jobs of defense and intelligence, or whether you're just a poor girl at a concert, a peace concert, who gets brutalized and attacked. And, That's right. And, and so I just want to say this has been the pattern. This continues to be the pattern. Um, Hamas terrorists target Israeli civilians and civilians die. Then Israel responds going after Hamas terrorists. But Hamas deliberately embeds itself behind its own people. It uses Gazans and other Palestinians as human shields. So then Palestinian civilians die. The more they die, the more support Hamas gets about Gaza. And all of a sudden, the only democracy in the Middle East, the only democracy is being cast as the bad guy, just like the Democrats here in America. The only, yeah. Think about that. Why is it the only democracy there? And why is democracy here? The, uh, and Trump has told you, and these Arab Americans who are unbelievably fucking stupid or have been in a coma since 2016, are yeah, going yes. to vote for the man who on Saturday, yesterday said, I can't wait to impose the Muslim ban, but it'll be stronger next time. Right. Yeah. Wake up. Yep. I'm telling you, this 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 thing okay. is is dividing people. It's ridiculous. This whole thing about TikTok and and the and the propaganda being spread and all that crap. You know, it's just like literally open a history book, people. Yeah, I so. know. They're they're just insane. I you know, it makes me sick. Yeah, but I I just I I just haven't gotten involved in in that discussion because I'm not an an expert on that stuff, and and you know it's just I but but you, we have common sense you know yeah. I mean at least we see what is going on I mean BB needs to go 
he will go. Yeah. He's done. Then he's done. Well, let's well, get him out sooner why, than later. That's why you know, I think this business that's being exposed you know, I, it just made me sick when I heard of that. I mean, this oh, is the thing with Trump. God. I mean, I believe if it's a head-to-head matchup with with Biden and Trump, Trump is going to lose in a landslide because yes. we are all exhausted. God. He well, has exhausted this country, and and he may have his little thirty percent of whatever MAGA people who who still show up at his rallies or whatever. Which is dwindling, by the way, and but if if it, if we end up with three or four third party candidates and these idiots vote for these people, this is the only way he could win the electoral college and become president again. And if he yeah. does, yeah. but we can't assume everything's going to go okay too. Right, we can't either. That's well, why we got to keep working. Anything you know, they're right going to pull up all the stuff. They're going to yeah, they're going to do everything they can to cheat and steal yeah. uh, because they know. Well, first of all, Trump knows if he loses his election, he's going to die in prison. Mm-hmm. His <laughs> literally, right. literally, his only hope is to become dictator for life. Emphasis on the dick. Yep, we know. Um, and so, you know, like I said, one, you know, that's the thing is that once this guy gets in, you are not going to get him out, barring a re- a second American Revolution. Mm-hmm. That's there right. will have to. Like I said, that's what I'm talking about. When if Trump wins next year. The cold civil war that red states have been waging against the blue states will become hot mm-hmm. because the blue states will have no choice but to defend themselves from the fascism of Trump's second term. That's right. Yeah, well, yep. well, I'm right in the front line. Yep. So uh, anyway, moving us along. So uh, Ellie Honig was talking about um, – Trump's legal situation. Here. Well, there are new details emerging about former Vice President Mike Pence's conversations with special counsel Jack Smith. ABC News is reporting some specific details from those conversations earlier this year, where Pence was questioned about personal notes he took after meetings with then President Trump. And one line of questioning had to do with the placement of a comma in a quote from Pence's book. Pence oh, wrote God that he Christ. told Trump on Christmas Day 2020, quote, you know, comma, I don't have I don't think I have the authority to change the outcome of the election on January 6th. That, that comma there, that's key. ABC News reporting Pence told prosecutors it should never have been placed there, that it was supposed to be an admonishment. Siemens Ellie Honig jo- joins us now. Ellie, without getting into the comma specifically, what does it tell you that Smith's team is being that granular about their process here? Well, Phil, this is what prosecutors do. Let's remember, this trial is going to happen. It is under 100 days away from right now. Mike Pence is going to be a pivotal, perhaps the pivotal witness for the prosecutors. He has this sort of unique standing here where he's both an eyewitness and a victim. He's a victim in the sense that he was the recipient of Donald Trump's pressure campaign. He was the one who the rioters were chanting for. But he's also a witness to crucial one-on-one conversations at times that he had with Donald Trump. And there's no other person on the planet who can give prosecutors the kind of insight that Mike Pence can give them. I think the key reporting here is that Pence directly told Donald Trump he had seen no evidence of election fraud, add Mike Pence to that long list, that he did not believe he had the constitutional authority to throw out the vote. Mm-hmm. So Mike Pence is a crucial witness anyway. You cut this, and it makes sense to me the prosecutors are digging in at that level of granularity. Can we just get into the commas for a moment, though, Ellie? Because you read it, yeah. you know, I don't have the authority to change the outcome of the election <laughs> on January 6th, or you know. I don't have the authority. I mean, that that is a huge difference, is it not? What would it do for the prosecution it here? Does. Pence is saying it's the latter. 
commas matter. Every word matters. Every piece of punctuation matters. Think about how that changes the meaning of this sentence. On the one hand, it's written with the comma, which would mean, you know, in the conversational sense, you know, sir, I don't think I have the authority to do that. Without the comma, which Pence now says the comma shouldn't be there, it means, you know, Donald Trump, you know, that I don't think I have the authority to throw out the election. So that comma, it may seem trivial, but it makes a big difference in the actual meaning of the sentence. Ellie, <laughs> Pence could take the stand uh, when this goes to trial. If you're Trump's lawyers, how do you cross-examine and question Pence as a witness? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, Mike Pence did write a book where he came out with some of these details, many of these details, but not all of them. And I think the argument you'll hear from Trump's lawyers is that anything he didn't put in his book is sort of what we call a recent fabrication, something he made up after the fact. And I think some of what they'll press Mike Pence on is that he has said that at times he believed there were irregularities in the voting, although ultimately he comes around to the view that there was no evidence of fraud. But I think he'll also press Mike Pence on the fact that Donald Trump was here different pieces of advice from different advisors. Some of them, who I think are generally seen as more responsible, were telling Trump there's no evidence of fraud. But other people were telling Trump that there was evidence of fraud and he should push ahead. So I think defense lawyers for Trump are going to focus on that latter part. Ellie Honig, thank you. Commas matter. Commas there are new matter. details emerging yep. about mm-hmm. Commas matter, thank, right? Thank you, Captain Gramerica. Right. You know, <laughs> it's just like the, the meme that I've seen with the Oxford comma. It says, we invited the strippers, comma, JFK, comma, and Stalin. And it shows two strippers, JFK and Stalin. And it's and the other one says, we invited the strippers, comma, JFK and Stalin. And it shows JFK and Stalin dressed as the strippers. <laughs> right? <laughs> and there's also, there's also convict, comma, Trump. And convict Trump. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. So anyway, oh. yeah. So yeah, I mean, but the question is, is who put the comment in his book? So did the editor do that? Yeah. Did the editor do it, or did he? Hmm. So editors aren't well. Yeah, editors are supposed to do that, but yes. And um, then uh, Jamie Gangle was talking about those details that came out of this this Liz Cheney book. Goes. Uh, you tell me uh, particularly after. Then House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, and she says, um, he said he told her that Trump knew right. he lost the 2020 election, and he, and he knew early on. Right. This is two days after the election. Cheney writes that uh, McCarthy told her that he had just spoken to Trump and that uh, McCarthy says, quote, he knows it's over. He just needs to go through all the stages of grief. Uh, Cheney then writes that it's, it's her wry sense of humor that the stages of grief also apparently included tweeting in all cap letters. But Jake, there, there's also another s- sort of stunning anecdote about Kevin McCarthy. We all remember the photograph when just three weeks after January 6th, there it is. Kevin McCarthy goes running down to Mar-a-Lago. He's afraid he can't raise money anymore. And, and, just, to, and just to, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, this, no, is a, no. this is a lifeline. Everyone thought that the Republican Party was going to rid itself of Donald Trump. Everybody had spoken negatively about him. But then McCarthy does this and it basically, you know, he's like Phoenix from the ashes. Donald Trump is renewed. Correct. And, <laughs> and nobody knows this trip is happening. And uh, Cheney writes, actually, when she saw that photo, she thought it was a fake. 
Really? And then she confronts Kevin McCarthy about it, and she writes, get ready, Cheney, Mar-a-Lago? What the hell, Kevin? Kevin McCarthy. They're really worried. Trump's not eating. So they asked me <laughs> oh, to come see him. As if that's Cheney. a tragedy. What? You went to Mar-a-Lago because Trump's not eating? McCarthy. Yeah. He's really depressed. Um, she also reveals that, look, she was not the only one. She, she talks about other Republicans were, quote, angry and disgusted yeah. that McCarthy had gone running back to Trump. And there's a text that's going around. And she writes that her Republican colleagues, quote, some mocked him circulating that Trump-McCarthy photo along with, get ready, the clip from the movie Jerry Maguire where Tom Cruise tells Renee Zellweger, you complete me. Huh. And, and there are other oh, headlines in God. the book in, in, I, we're learning about for the first time, including in about the new House Speaker, uh, Mike Johnson from Louisiana. Tell me about that. So to be oh. clear, when Cheney was writing this book, she did not know that Mike Johnson was going to be the next Speaker of right. the House. Right, he was in leadership, but nobody thought he was going to be the Speaker anytime soon. Most people didn't know who he right. was in, in the public. But what she writes is now critical because she lays out specifically just the important role he was playing behind the scenes in mm -hmm. enabling Trump. He was pressuring members, Horrible. specifically freshman members, to support Trump in, in all of this. There, there are also details about her relationship with former Speaker Nancy Pelosi, two mm -hmm. people who could not be further apart politically about how Pelosi appointed her to the January 6th committee. Um, what it was like, Cheney writes, she felt like she was from another planet. But she also says that Pelosi always backed her up. Mm -hmm. The backstory of the two of them and also that she was immediately impressed with Pelosi's leadership um, throughout. One story here about a Republican colleague that I think goes to the names names. Um, there's an extraordinary scene on January 6th that she recounts where Republican members are sort of being asked to sign these uh, sheets for electoral vote objections. And she writes about Congressman Mark Green of Tennessee. Yeah. And he's signing and she hears him and, quote, as he moved down the line signing his name to the pieces of paper Green said, sheepishly, to no one in particular, the things we do for the orange Jesus. He called him the orange Jesus? <laughs> yes. Not exactly a, a compliment. Um, Janie has said for a long time that she believes Donald Trump right. is dangerous. She sacrificed her political career, at least in the short term, right. to warn the country about him. What, is, what else is she willing to do about it? So as she told you in that great interview did a couple of weeks ago, she has not ruled out running for the White House right. herself. She has also said that if Trump is the Republican nominee, she is out of the Republican Party. She says in the book that she will do whatever it takes to make sure that Trump never goes back to the White House. She thinks he is absolutely a danger to democracy. There you go. Orange 
Here's Jesus. <laughs> but let's be yeah. honest here. I mean, oh my God, Trump's not eating. He's not in any immediate danger of, of starving to death. He's a fat sack of orange shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. When I heard that, I just laughed. Oh, yeah, he wasn't just eating. Hysterical. Oh, he yes. could stand to lose a few dozen pounds. <laughs> right. Yes. And then Morning Joe were poking fun at that. Too. By the way, speaking of eating fried squirrel, really, <laughs> did you hear about this new Liz Cheney book that came Ooh. out? Wait. Yes. I mean, there's there's a lot there, but my here's my here's my around, here's my favorite line from it though. Okay. Kevin McCarthy. Oh no. Yeah. Justifying his trip to Mar-a-Lago by saying three words that nobody's ever said about Donald Trump. <laughs> He's not eating. Now, all I can say no. is this. If Kevin McCarthy's job was go- to go down to Mar-a-Lago to get Donald eating again, well, he did a hell of a job. Yeah. Yeah. Because that ain't been a problem since. Wasn't well, really a problem before. You know, maybe if he said, I got to go down to Mar a Lago because Donald's cheating on his wind sprints, <laughs> we'd believe that. Yeah. But he's not eating. I don't believe it, Willie. What say you this well, early we're getting, morning? We're getting those excerpts out of the book, and man, there's a lot of devastating stuff in there, but nothing more heartbreaking than hearing that. Kevin McCarthy said he had to rush effectively to Donald Trump's bedside because, quote, he's not eating after the results of the election, after January 6th, after having to leave the White House. It's like an ailing mother or father uh, in their final days. She's not eating. We should surround her and be at her bedside. Talking about the former president of the United States not eating. And that is why a couple of weeks after January 6th, Kevin McCarthy rushed to Donald Trump's bedside at Mar-a-Lago and got him a fresh I bucket of KFC or whatever. How comforting that when he left, the last vision he saw was of an ailing Donald lying in that bed uh, with a empty bucket of KFC over his head. Just on his tummy. I mean, uh, well, the chicken was on his, uh, yeah. No, I mean, come on. She's not eating. That's you exactly. really, you really want to go down to Mar-a-Lago that badly? Like, come on, Kevin. And Make a, a better excuse than that, diet right? I, I just, I can't. You don't understand how sad that is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That, that just made me laugh. <laughs> Good Lord. Donald Trump's laying in bed. The only with reason the why I would rush to Mar-a-Lago to go to Trump's bedside is to smother him with a fucking pillow. <laughs> yeah, that's on my pillow, no less. On my pillow. Yeah. By the way, did yes. you guys see my pillows? Yeah. My my pillows are on sale on uh, clearance sale <laughs> at Bar Harbor or whatever. No, what, what's that? Harbor Freight. Harbor Freight. <laughs> at Harbor Freight, even. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yeah, somebody's trying to get their money. <laughs> yeah. But that just made me laugh. The image of of Donald Trump laying in bed with a KFC bucket on his head and Kevin McCarthy holding his hand. (laughs) And a chicken leg in his hand. Oh, God. (laughs) You know, just can't bring himself to eat. Yes. Well, Joe, are we ready to Ah. see what's happening down in the clown car garage? Okay. Let's do it. Let's go. All right, you MAGA Congress people, ready to sing your song? <laughs> I'll say we are. Yeah, let's own the lips. Okay, Lauren Boebert. Okay. Okay, Matt Gates. Okay. Okay, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie, 
MTG. Okay, maggots, get ready. That was very good, Bobert. Naturally. Very good, Gates. Uh, Marjorie, you're a little flat. Watch it, uh, Marjorie, Marjorie, MTG! Come on, you can't leave pipe bombs. Let's do another coup. Yeah, let's go in the capital again. No, that's enough. Let's not overdo yeah. it. Yeah, this time let's bring guns. MTG, no. Hobart, <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> oh, did you catch the line where she said, I got shoes from my three toes? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, Joe, I think that's such a... What's better to go with um, with uh, MAGA Christmas chickmunks? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. It's December. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's already time to deck the halls, mm-hmm. watch all the Christmas specials, mm-hmm. and file a restraining order on your Trumper neighbor for threatening to burn down your house because you put a Hanukkah decoration and a black Santa on your front lawn. Oh, in, oh. A wheel, in a wheelchair, no less. <laughs> yes, sir, did. And the United States Postal Service has asked us here at the Clown Car to, to remind everyone that the deadline for ensuring Christmas delivery of first-class mail is December 16th. Okay. Okay. So with that in mind, you should start thinking of sending out your greeting cards, guys. Okay. Um, <laughs> and since you may have a MAGA maggot on your Christmas card list, we have altered some of the year's most popular greetings to suit your MAGA friends. <laughs> so here's a few uh, cards that we have uh, on sale at the Clown Car just for MAGA individuals in your family. Okay. And friends. Okay. Right. Like we have an original. Now, these there were some originals we got from Hallmark. Okay. Like this one said, may your days be merry and bright. And then you open it up. And it says, have a Merry Christmas. Okay. Typical card. That's nice. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The MAGA version goes, may your days be merry and bright. Ha ha, don't look now, but your new neighbor isn't white. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
Okay, that's that's five dollars. Okay. Okay. Oh, the original that's deep. Uh, from this this Hallmark uh, collection is Christ is the reason for the season. Okay. And you open it up, and it says, "So remember him this year." Okay. Okay. A little reminder for you Christians. Okay. The MAGA version says Christ is the reason for the season. And then you open it up and it says, but Trump is the reason for the treason. Oh, there you go. Orange Jesus. (laughs) Orange Jesus. Okay, we have this one. Uh, May you have the Christmas you deserve. Okay. Then you open it up and it says Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Okay. Very nice card. Very simple. Right. The MAGA version goes, may you have the Christmas you deserve. And then you open it up and it says, the FBI saw you on January 6th. This is an arrest warrant. You've been served. Oh! <laughs> By the way, did you see um, I think Lauren Boebert? Was it Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene? Was, one of them was whining about the FBI is still arresting everybody every day. <laughs> Once At least one person a day for J6. Well, that's because Mike Johnson released the whatever 6,000 hours <laughs> yeah. of, of foot yeah. <laughs> security footage. <laughs> Here, let me give you some more evidence. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that's like Trump releasing the security uh, footage from Mar-a-Lago when he was yeah. moving the boxes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this one goes, uh, this is the original. Now, I'll be home for Christmas. Okay. Then you open it up and it says, I'll be coming in your direction. Okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Thank you, Hallmark. Okay, MAGA says, I'll be home for Christmas. Then you open it up and says, but my husband is in prison for insurrection. Right. <laughs> there you go, right? Um, okay, this original says, Christmas is a time for joy. This is a nice card. And then you open it up and says, may your reason be season be filled with happiness. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that was nice. Um, you op- okay, the MAGA version. Um where did I go? Okay. The MAGA version goes, Christmas is a time for joy. Oh, I'm sorry. Where was I? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So the original said, Christmas is a time for joy. May your season be filled with happiness. The MAGA version goes, Christmas is a time for joy. But my name is Karen, and I want to see the fucking manager. Hey. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay this one goes uh okay again hallmark says he's making a list and checking it twice how's that huh Mm -hmm. you open it up and it says i hope you've been good this year okay okay the maga version goes he's making a list and checking it twice and then you open it up and it said and you still have 300 classified documents in your bathroom (laughs) right (laughs) there you go right Okay, the original goes, Christmas is a time for giving. And the insight says, so share the love this year. Okay. That's nice. That's really nice. The MAGA version goes, Christmas is a time for giving. And you open it up and it says, so we subpoenaed your iPhone. (laughs) That was specifically for, uh, what's his name, Scott Perry? Scott Perry. Scott Perry, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Um. Uh, for all you Scott Perry fans. Uh, okay, this original said, a Christmas at Christmas we say, be merry. So you open it up and it says, so Merry Christmas to you. Mm, okay, that's nice. Nice. Yeah, I prefer Pippin. 
Okay. The MAGA version goes, at Christmas we say, be merry. You open it up and says, but you're under a gag order. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so we have the original says, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. That's a simple, simple Hallmark card. And then the, you open it up and it says, may the New Year find you safe. Mm, yes, okay. Yes, yes. Uh, the MAGA version goes, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And you open it up and it says, may the new year find you safely behind bars. <laughs> yes. Okay, one more. The original goes, Santa Claus is coming to town. And you put it up and it says, you better not pout, you better not cry. Okay. Okay. The MAGA version goes, Santa Claus is coming to town. And you open it up and it says, oh my God, he's black and in a wheelchair. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so order your MAGA Christmas cards here today. Uh, it's the best way to say you really don't want your maggots around you to Christmas. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, Joe. <laughs> yes. That was good. That was good. There's one really good thing. You did a great job, as always. But I want to just say thank you for not doing any MAGA Hanukkah cards. Oh, no. oh. I, I, uh. I, I would not expect. In fact, <laughs> we have several Jewish friends. We already sent our Hanukkah cards out early. And mm. uh, 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 none of them are MAGA people. <laughs> yeah, so, right? If there's, a, if there's a MAGA maggot on my list, my card is just going to be go fuck yourself. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> know. Uh, Simple, succinct. succinct. <laughs> well, it's easy. it's easy. Well, you know, Joe, you uh, – you you left out uh, Jack's what Jack's missed Christmas cards are gonna say this year, you know what that is? Oh, hang your balls on the Christmas tree, make it look so bright. Hang your balls on the Christmas tree, oh happy Christmas night. <laughs> Gotta have it every year. <laughs> yeah, I think Jack Smith's gonna hang some balls on the Christmas tree. <laughs> Soon, oh. please. Yes, yes. So. uh... So anyway, so we talked a little bit. We're going to talk about this Lawrence O'Donnell clip. Now, this is a long Ooh, clip. Yeah, this is a good one. This is a good one. This is a long clip. So I'm going to start it, and we're going to do this in segments um, because he nails it here. Well, Orange Jesus is trying to knock me out of this job again. We now know, thanks to Liz Cheney's new book, which will be published next week, that Republicans in the House of Representatives refer to Donald Trump as Orange Jesus and follow his every command religiously, even when they know he's lying. We'll hear more about that directly from Liz Cheney next Monday night when she does her first primetime interview with Rachel Maddow on the network that Donald Trump now says he wants to shut down. The man who Republican members of Congress call Orange Jesus wants to shut down MSNBC. Last night at 11.13 p.m., 13 minutes after presumably watching this show, Donald Trump posted an attack not just on me this time, which he's done many times in the past, but on this entire network, saying that the government should come down hard on MSNBC, and we know what Donald Trump means by come down hard. He means completely destroy. He means violently attack 
attack the way he wanted Trump supporters to come down hard on Congress on January 6th. It is hard to think within the American political context of words more blasphemous than orange Jesus. The Republican congressman's use of that name for Donald Trump once again proves that Republican politicians protest, professing their Christian faith is as empty as the rest of their political rhetoric. Mm -hmm. The dictionary defines blasphemy as the act of insulting or showing contempt or lack of reverence for God, the act of claiming the attributes of a deity, irreverence towards something considered sacred or inviolable. According to Christian theology, the name Orange Jesus meets all of those definitions of blasphemy. Jesus Christ has endured countless attacks over the centuries since the crucifixion, but never in American history has an American politician slandered the founder of Christianity the way Republican members of the House of Representatives do every time they privately call Donald Trump Orange Jesus. Last night at 11.13 p.m., Donald Trump began his attack on this network this way. MSNBC uses free government-approved airwaves. I would call that a lie if I didn't think Donald Trump was too stupid <laughs> to know that that is a lie. Donald Trump was born years before television came into American homes. And when it finally did arrive in his living room in Queens, New York, what he was watching in black and white in a tiny box was a broadcast coming over the airwaves from this building, as television did in those days, when there were only three networks. Then, when Donald Trump was 40 years old, cable television arrived in his neighborhood in New York City. Obviously, no one explained to Donald why they called it cable television. So to this day, he does not know that cable television has never been broadcast over free government-approved airwaves, which is why cable television, unlike the old broadcast networks, has never been subject to FCC jurisdiction in any way. The FCC does not have jurisdiction, does have jurisdiction over NBC, ABC, CBS, because they were founded as over-the-airwaves broadcasters and are still treated that way by the government, even though when you watch those channels at home, they are arriving on your cable system through your cable. So the man who wants to control the government and then wants the government to come down hard on MSNBC has no idea that the government has absolutely no jurisdiction over cable news networks in any way or anything else on cable TV, which is why you get to hear all that profanity on HBO. Right. I, for one, have always found it difficult to take threats from the stupidest man in the world seriously. I didn't take it seriously when he began attacking me and me alone in the news media in 2011, when I and I alone in the news media called him a liar for every word he said about President Obama's birth certificate at that time. And I did not just criticize Donald Trump. I criticized the people running the entertainment division of NBC at that time because at what was a low point in NBC's ratings, Donald Trump had a primetime show on NBC where he pretended to fire people. And when Donald Trump publicly lied 
about President Obama's birth certificate, the ratings of Donald Trump's NBC show went up. How crazy do you have to be? How many lies do you have to tell about the President of the United States? How much hate do you have to uh, pr promote that, uh, that Donald Trump has promoted to get yourself kicked off of primetime NBC? Uh, you know, Don, <laughs> you know, Lawrence, that's a question I don't have the answer to. You're there in 30 Rock. Um, maybe you can find out faster than I can. Okay, I'm going to pause it there because, one, that clip they showed from 20, 2011, Jonathan Capehart <laughs> looks so young. <laughs> I hardly recognized him. But anyway, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, a, this, is, this is Project 2025. He's saying it right out there, right? Mm -hmm. He wants to shut down any media that's critical of him. So, but uh, Joe... I, yes. Oh, I, sorry. I texted you when uh, when this segment was over, and I said, "Did yeah. you just watch this?" <laughs> yeah, I was fuming. Yes, Adam, you get... it's, it's what I've been saying all along. Wake up, news yeah. media. Yeah. Wake up, news media. Yeah. I'm sorry, Joe. Wake up, news media. It's it's time to wake up. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're slow walking right into a democracy. Uh, yeah. uh, aristocracy, uh, yeah, yeah a, a dictatorship, and emphasis on know, the dick. Stop this both siderisms, and it start. It's time that, for the first time, and I know they normally wouldn't do this. I think the, the uh, major networks should start uh, campaigning for Joe Biden. Right. right. Yes. Basically, yeah. Just Instead saying that if you put Trump back in office, idiots. he is going to destroy this country, <sighs> and they should say so. Yep. They should say so in their editorials. They should say so in their newscasts. It's time to stop this. Well, there's another side to the debate. No, there isn't. There's any. no other no, side. No. no. Which is the point. It's I not don't want to hear it. But the stakes. It's and for all you people going, her, 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 Trump doesn't know how cable works. No, he knows how cable works. He is basically announcing his intention to persecute anyone who dares speak against him. Right. Yes. So, so uh, let's go on here. I did not know this at the time, but Donald Trump was busy then trying to get me fired from this network using his influence with the NBC entertainment executives who passed the word to the president of MSNBC, who completely ignored Donald Trump's attempts to fire me and didn't even mention it to me until years later. I'm still here in 30 Rock, even though in June of 2015, when I was attacked when I attacked Donald Trump's lying presidential campaign, Donald Trump tweeted this. I hear that dopey political pundit Lawrence O'Donnell, one of the dumber people on television, is about to lose his show. No ratings. Too bad. Well, the dopey part might be arguable, but it was then the second highest rated show on this network <laughs> behind Rachel Maddow. And eight years later, on the nights when Rachel isn't here, it's usually the highest rated show on this network. Donald Trump was still trying to get me fired in 2015 because... At that time, I was still the only person in the news business calling his statements lies and calling him a liar. As I began doing in 2011, when he began lying about President Obama's birth certificate, something the New York Times did not call a lie until September of 2016, when Donald Trump was already the Republican nominee. Donald Trump's tweeted threats and insults never bothered me for many reasons including my suspicions at the time, 
that they were good for my ratings, which is probably why Donald Trump eventually stopped attacking me and moved on to attacking much lower rated shows on CNN. I never took seriously what Donald Trump said he was going to do as president. I knew there would be no wall built at the southern border. I knew he would never know how to pass an infrastructure bill. I knew the taxes would be cut because Republicans in Congress know how to do that. And Donald Trump just had to sign the legislation. But the concept of a Trump presidency, which I wrongly did not think was going to happen, didn't scare me because I believed wrongly that Congress could and would completely contain the worst impulses of the most ignorant man in the history of the word president. I was so wrong about that. And Congress's ability and choice to control Donald Trump. What I was getting used to Donald Trump threatening me, the whole country was getting used to Donald Trump threatening people as he continued to do throughout his presidency and as he does now. And tonight, this country has reached the point where a former president of the United States who is the leading Republican candidate for president has publicly threatened to shut down a cable news network and that is not news. If any previous president or leading presidential candidate in either party ever made such a threat, it would have been the lead story in every news organization in the country, every TV channel, every newspaper. And now it's not news. It wasn't mentioned on NBC Nightly News tonight. It was not mentioned on ABC or CBS, those three national newscasts still have by far the biggest audience in television news. They deliver more news to more people in this country than anything else on television, including all of cable news channels combined. And tonight, the first day in history that they had the story about a former president and the leading candidate for the Republican presidential nomination saying the government should come down hard on a cable news network. None of them mentioned that story. In fact, tonight, the 20 million people who tuned into those three news broadcast programs nationally did not hear a single mention of Donald Trump. Not one word about Donald Trump on the national news broadcasts tonight. This is the product of what Brian Klass is now calling the banality of crazy, which is, he says, warping the way that Americans think about politics in the Trump and post-Trump era. Trump scandals have become predictably banal, and American journalists have become golden retrievers watching a tennis ball launcher. Every time they start to chase one ball, a fresh one immediately explodes into view prompting a new chase. Eventually, chasing tennis balls gets old. The media fixate on John Fetterman's hoodie instead of on stories about the relentless, predictable risk of Trump-inspired political violence. In ordinary times, this approach may be ill-advised, but, but not dangerous. Today, it's dangerous. By breathlessly covering every minor gaffe by Joe Biden while ignoring unhinged indictments, incitements to violence by Trump, most voters never see the sides of Trump that should most worry them. This creates plausible deniability for voters where they can say, he doesn't seem too bad, both candidates are flawed, but I'm going with Trump. The press has succumbed to the numbing effect mm -hmm. of the banality of crazy. Once mm -hmm. reporting on every single Trump tweet, 
in early 2017 because it was unusual, but now ignoring even the most dangerous policy proposals by an authoritarian who's on the cusp of once again becoming the most powerful man in the world, precisely because it happens like clockwork almost every day. I'm going to stop it there. <laughs> He's exactly right. Absolutely. This is just like you were saying, Sue. They cannot treat this election like a horse race this time. But they're going to. Mm -hmm. They are lapdogs for their GOP owners. They are, they get fired. What happened to Brian Stelter, John Harwood? What happened to Mehdi Hassan this week? Mm -hmm. MSNBC may have a few liberal or Democratic leaning commentators at night. You know, you got a Nicole Wallace, you have Rachel, of course, you have Lawrence, you've got Joanne Reed. But the other 24 hours a day are filled with the same. They didn't fire Andrew Mitchell, who's 112 years old. They oh fired Betty Hassan. And he and I might disagree, but he is amazing. And they're going to keep him for special. Sure, sure they are. We've said this for a hundred times. All the media, over 90% of media is owned by six mega corporations that are all owned by GOP billionaires, and they determine content. Mm-hmm. For 100 years, the New York Times has been the bastion of fascism, masquerading as news. She's not an old gray, gray lady. She's Lenin in the tomb. A hundred years ago, in 1924, New York Times headline, Hitler retreats to his home, having learned his lesson after being released from prison. Yeah, right. You Mm -hmm. you know, go go into the Cheney. Cheney uses Judith Miller to be the informed source to say that there are nuclear weapons so that they can attack Iran. That's the New York Times. So, you know, and now the Washington Post is owned by Bezos. Don't think for a second, even though will you see some good reporting out of all of these places, that they're really dedicated to democracy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people forget that a newspaper was seized and shut down in Kansas this summer and that the woman who owned it dropped dead of a heart attack from the stress of it, mm-hmm. even though they were reopened. And so my message to the co- to corporate media and to, uh, to all these reporters, like Jake Tapper, who are too fucking cowardly to stand up for the rule of law and for this democracy, is that when you do lose freedom of the press, look in the mirror, you will only have yourselves to blame. Yeah, That's I want right. to know when 60 Minutes is is doing their segment on how the nation has turned fascist, if they're going to have Leslie Stahl do the interview. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I've, I still have not watched that show since they had on Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. Oh, no, they're going to have Steve Miller on. Stephen Miller will be the one. He'll be there. Oh, right. right. New person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's listen to that idiot. Yeah, so let's let's uh, finish this up here. Here's how the clock work worked today. Today, Donald Trump called Nikki Haley, quote, a very weak and very ineffective bird brain. That would have been a giant campaign coverage explosion if someone had said something like that about another candidate in the pre-Trump era. It was not mentioned on tonight's most watched 
national news broadcasts. Also today, Donald Trump said something else that would be the lead story in presidential campaign coverage, but was completely ignored, and that is that he wants to kill Obamacare, a health insurance system that now provides insurance to 40 million people. A presidential candidate saying he wants to take away the health insurance system, delivering health insurance to 40 million people. That is a big deal in campaign coverage, or it was a big deal in the pre-Trump era. Now it's not news. According to the news media, whose responsibility it is to accurately present the presidential candidates to the voters so they can make informed choices. Also today, Donald Trump attacked the wife of the judge presiding over the civil fraud trial of Donald Trump and his children in Manhattan. He is the first former president in history to attack a judge presiding over his trial. That just isn't news anymore. For most of the news media, Daniel Patrick Moynihan's phrase for this phenomenon was defining deviancy down. Donald Trump has defined his own deviancy down to the point where there are now no standards at all that Donald Trump can violate that can produce shocked headlines or even basic news coverage. And so, and so the news media prefers to concentrate its headlines in the area of politics where everyone still behaves the way they always did, which is, which is to say the Biden side of our politics. Because the news media as a group believes on some level it is their job to challenge presidential candidates most of them aim their challenges at the candidate who is easiest to challenge because the challenge against him is so conceptually simple. His age. Joe Biden is 36 months older than Donald Trump. Right. And those three years are enough for most of the news media to decide that one and only one of the leading presidential candidates for president should drop out of the race. Brian Klass describes the two candidates this way. One of them is a 77-year-old racist, misogynist bigot who has been found liable for rape, who incited a deadly violent insurrection aimed at overturning a democratic election, who has committed mass fraud for personal enrichment, who is facing 91 separate counts of felony criminal charges against him, and who has overtly discussed his authoritarian strategies for governing if he returns to power. The other is 80 years old with mainstream Democratic Party views who sometimes misspeaks or trips. There may be other reasons to criticize Joe Biden, but the main one discussed in the press is his age. One of those two candidates faces relentless newspaper columns and TV pundit takes, arguing that he should drop out of the race. Spoiler alert, it's somehow not the racist, authoritarian, sexual abuse fraudster facing 91 felony charges. It's not if you are once again, it's not as if you're once again living through a failure by most of the news media to comprehend the rise, to uh, comprehend and rise to the challenges of covering Donald Trump as a presidential candidate. It is that you are continuing to live through the very same failure of the news media that began 12 years ago in 2011 when Donald Trump began lying about President Obama's birth certificate. 
Recently, you've spent a lot of time talking about President Obama's birth certificate or lack thereof. You don't seem convinced that he has one. No, I'm not convinced that he has one. I've had very smart people yeah. say, Donald, stay on the China issue, stay on the Saudi Arabia issue, stay on the India taking our jobs and the Mexico, which is NAFTA, which Get off cleaned the birth out certificate New England. Issue. Get off the birth certificate issue. Why don't you? Because you know what? Three weeks ago when I started, I thought he was probably born in this country. And now I really have a much bigger doubt than I did before. Well, right now I have some real doubts. I have people that actually have been studying it and they cannot believe what they're finding. Really? You have people now down Absolutely. there searching, I mean, in they're Hawaii. Shot. Absolutely. And they cannot believe what they're finding. Uh-huh. Liar. That's when it starts. They have tears in their the eyes. American they news media's failure to rise to the challenge of Donald Trump started in 2011 and has never stopped. I alone at the time said then that he was lying about sending people to Hawaii to investigate the birth certificate. Trump was surely amazed that he was able to get away with that kind of lie at the time. But he quickly learned how weak TV news could be in the real-time fact-checking, and he relies on that weakness to this day. The news media is going to fail again in covering the Trump presidency. It's going to fail. Mm -hmm. Do not think you can depend on the news media to cover this campaign correctly. You are going to have to do that work yourself. You are going to have to save democracy if it's going to be saved yourself. It is going to be up to you. Expecting the news media to help you in this is like expecting the news media to help you in your New Year's resolution to get in shape sometime after New Year's Eve. They cannot do it. They don't know how. They won't. And this time, the stakes are even higher than last time. Amen. Amen. That's right. Okay. That was one of his best. That was rants. unbelievable. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. It really was good. I mean, wow. But he, that's, that is the point right there. The press is going to try to make this in a horse race. And like we're already seeing it. This is why I told you, Joe, I'm not watching Saturday Night Live because I'm sick and tired of them making jokes about Joe Biden being old. And I mm -hmm. said it, I said it, Sue, I don't know if you were on the show, but uh, a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago, I think it was, Andrea Mitchell on MSNBC said Joe Biden Ugh. was old. And I posted. Yeah, she's calling the kettle black. Andrea, yeah. Andrea, the living fossil Mitchell. Right. And I posted today's moment of pot, pot meets kettle is Andrea is brought to us by Andrea Mitchell saying right. Joe Biden is old. <laughs> right. Jesus. <laughs> wow. No, it's, she's it's, she's it's, really, it's, herself, it's honestly despicable. It, it is. It is. Humil you know, again, I have such a personal stake in this um, because of what my father did. In the five years he was a slave laborer and the you know in the ghetto lodge slave camp and that he monitored these secret radios they built four crystal sets think of what it took the nerve it took for these jewish engineers who had to go into ss headquarters and smuggle out a vacuum tube at a time and build these four different crystal sets so people could actually monitor the news because any news was a death sentence if they caught you and they hunted them down because they knew news was getting out. Two of the radios were discovered. 
you know what happened to those people um, and anyone. And there was a very tight cadre of people who didn't let it. My mother didn't even know the radio was under their bed. Mm-hmm. And my father carried it around. He did He did the purloined letter. He carried it in plain sight with salute officers on his grocery detail. Um, and and uh, my mother had sewed pockets in his coat so he could smuggle food. They never checked him. And he would salute them And it, with his one hand. And the other hand, he was actually holding the crystal set. <laughs> then he huh. would monitor the broadcast. Mm-hmm. So, again... At the end of all of this, um, they could hear the bombs and the tanks that were a few days off. They could hear them in the distance. Mostly he monitored the Not BBC. Uh, so he taught himself English. And the Germans were getting ready to escape. And they said, everyone come to the um, square tomorrow morning. We're going to give you ac- extra rations of food. This is mid-January of 1945, and my father said, now now, just to be clear, they had already dug their own graves. They had dug the graves mm-hmm. um, where open trenches were ra- ra- waiting for them. And my father's like, they're going to kill us all. Hide. We will be liberated within 72 hours. And almost 800 Jews hid. They ran for the hills, and they all had, they had already established, my parents were basically in a closet with like four other people. And three days went by, and they heard tanks, and they sent out a little boy, and he came running in saying, it's Russian. They were Russian. And so on January 19th, 1945, my family was liberated from the ghetto lodge. Mm -hmm. And that lesson if people do not understand what the press, the news does, it saves lives. And these yes. fuckers, these irresponsible fucking bastards are throwing it away. Mm-hmm. And well, so like you said earlier, exercise to like, it's like you said earlier, um, Sue. I mean, look at the, the way that the whole thing in Israel and Gaza is being covered by the exactly. press. So, mm-hmm. but we are out of time, so we'll have to wrap it there. But George Sandus is gone, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I will say this: let's not pretend. Um, uh, let's not pretend. You know why George Santos is gone? Um, he he. You know, it's not because the Republicans suddenly had a cra- You know, had a crisis of. Of ethics, mm-hmm. it's because they he was making them look bad. Time ago right, that's the thing it. is that that you know they waited until it was convenient for them to get rid of him when they were right. like, yeah, we can control our caucus and still get our crazy agenda passed through. Um. So, well, um, this 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 was this was just he's making us look bad. He's saying the quiet parts out loud. Um. Well, I I just want to see if if um. Mike Johnson remains his speaker by the end of the year. Because <laughs> they're, yeah, I think they're getting I'm, ready to I'm oust reading, him. They're, I, I, know, I've been minute. reading, I've been reading that they're they're at war with each other in the Republican caucus, and that he might be he might be ousted too. So, <laughs> who Did knows? Hold on to your seat. Or outed. Uh, or out, out, ousted. Ousted. Yeah. Because outed is just a matter of time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But uh, anyway, uh, so. I was. I had a clip of Joy Reid celebrating George Santos being gone. But we don't have time to play it. <laughs> but uh, with that, Sue, Pete, tell people where they can check you out. 
Oh, you can just find me everywhere. For God's sakes, people wish I would shut up. Uh, but I'm all over. Except Facebook. Uh, you're not on Facebook. No, I am no, not, you're not on, on Facebook. And I am sort of not on Mastodon. But I am on Threads, Spoutable, and Posted Sue in Rockville. I'm also on Stephanie Miller because they keep letting me on. <laughs> yeah. And on Twitter. Um, oh, and I should say we're on Media Buster 6. Everyone, if you want to see good reporting and good holding media accountable, our accounts on Threads, on Instagram, and on Twitter, at Media Buster 6. We are carrying on Eric Bowler's legacy. We are putting media's feet to the fire. And me personally on Twitter, where I can curse, because I don't curse on Media Busters, at uh, 841-920-MIMA6. All right. Thank you, Sue. And thank Ka- you. And Kathy? Yeah, I'm on Facebook forever and ever and ever. Uh, let's remember to never forget. And I'm on the other things, too, but I usually don't say much. You know, I usually react, but I don't say a lot. Yeah. Thank but, you. I'm sorry. Keep trying. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Kathy. And Adam? I'm mostly on threads at the Adam Hebert as opposed to a Adam Hebert because uh, I don't come in six packs. Um, <laughs> I currently don't have a show on the air. Uh, you know, the, the whole lost my computer thing kind of ruined my, you know, mojo. But, um, I'm really looking forward to sharing this audio from AWA. I had some great interviews, including being able to ask Michelle Ruff, the voice actress for Rukia Kuchki from Bleach, how it felt to finally be able to say Bankai as Rukia. There you go. Okay. And she had such a great answer. All right. Well, thank you, Adam. And and Joe? Uh, you can find me on Facebook and on Mastodon and on uh, WordPress, Jason, WordPress.com. Oh, and we forgot to mention, Adam, you got a birthday coming up this week. Yay. Yep, Happy birthday. That's right. Summer 5th. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy Thank birthday. you, everyone. Birthday. Yeah, and I will you, no longer be 42. <laughs> and you can follow me, Tim Gormall, on Instagram, Spoutable, and Threads, and Facebook, but not on Twitter. And Mastodon. Tim Gormall uh, Tim at Mastodon.social. And with that, we're going to close out with our good buddy Lauren's latest song. She's back from vacation. And uh, this is When He's Gone, the George Santos <laughs> song. So with that, take it away, Lauren, and we will see you all soon. Thought he could stick it out through one more vote The last his party said he's through His colleagues called him a louse For bringing shame upon the house Which these days is really hard to do None of the things he bragged about were true But he accomplished one thing in his own style His brief congressional trip restored by partisanship Cause they hate him on both sides of the aisle when he's gone, when he's gone, comedians will miss George when he's gone. We're gonna miss his crazy lies and how logic he defies. We're gonna miss George Santos when he's gone. We all know politicians lie and cheat, but George made lying his full-time job. And no one really knows, with all the dough he spent on clothes, why he's still dressed like such a slob. He lied about his schools, his jobs, his mom, and being Jewish, and overdid the Botox, obviously. But after all his stunts, who knew he'd end up saying one thing true? This time he's really making history. When he's gone, when he's gone, 
John. Comedians will miss George when he's gone. But don't think he'll sing the blues. He'll probably wind up on Fox News. For satire's sake, I hope his shtick goes on. What a con, what a con. His list of crimes goes on and on and on. When he's in jail where he belongs and not inspiring my songs, I'm gonna miss George Santos when he's gone. What a shame. What a shame. This song would go for hours if I listed each false claim. Dealing with other lies is draining, but his are entertaining. We'll miss George Santos, if that's even his name.